0: <laughs> oh oh it's already started people uh listen I'm just welcome to another episode of before you kill yourself with your host Leo Flowers I am Leo Flowers today's guest is a, a very special guest uh it's my sister Lee Olin Bowen uh say her Hi. name correctly people don't be out there don't add an A Lee Olin Leolin no Lee Olen Bowen. I'm saying that because my sister just gave a talk in front of the governor of who was it, Alabama, Arkansas, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I love how you politely corrected his pronunciation of your name.
1: <laughs> hey, bro. <laughs> What's up?
0: Uh, today's gonna, you know, I don't know what today's episode is gonna be. Here's the thing: the holidays are coming up, Christmas time is around the corner, and A lot of emotions come up for people around the holidays especially around family and uh you know my sister and i we have always been hmm uh we we've always had a relationship right and i hesitate to say close because you know i'm four years older than you Mm -hmm. and it definitely, so growing up, I, I definitely was the brother that was like, I don't want anything to do with my sister, right? I want to go outside and play. And then, but I will tell you this, I always felt guilty about leaving you behind. Really? I always. It pained me Aww. to leave you behind. And what's interesting about that, because I'm just realizing this now at the age of 45, that Part of my fear of being attached to people and things is how painful it is for me to leave it behind. I don't like that Mm -hmm. feeling. I could never be in the military. Mm -hmm. Because although they're like, you know, no man left behind, uh, there's situations where you you have to forge forward. Because, you you know, I come back and get you later. But the pain of leaving, feeling like, not of leaving, but of feeling like you're leaving, of, you're abandoning someone. And you probably never realized that. You probably never realized that was going on for me.
1: Never. Wow. Yeah.
0: I've, I've heard, I forget who, uh, I just had somebody on a podcast and he was talking about a lot of people um, will be serial monogamists. Because once they get to the point where they feel too attached to the person, um, they'll break up because of the fear of if they break up once they really become attached, that it's, it's the pain. And I never realized that. I was like, oh, I yeah.
1: That's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, you and I have talked before Um about our, you know, growing up in the same house Um, at some, sometimes we have these, you know, still learning about each other and learning about experiences and having experiences that the other one of us didn't even realize was going on. Um, So yeah, I never knew that. And I I told you recently, um, it didn't occur to me until I became an adult, because I would go away to my dad's house for the weekend. And it never occurred to me how you would, how you felt about that. <laughs> like I'm at my dad's house chillaxing and you're still at mom's house. And and now as an adult, I'm like, Oh man, I wonder if that was rough or sucky or were there any negative feelings about that? So yeah, that's, that's interesting that you say that.
0: So to answer that and, and to give people an understanding of the household we grew up in. So my sister, uh, Leolin Bowen, <laughs> uh, we have separate fathers and, mm-hmm. So uh, my mom, our mom, was married to Leolan's dad uh, for a while. They got a divorce. My mom never married my dad, right? They were always separated because my dad had another family at the same time. So uh, I was the north side family. If you know anything about Chicago, it has three sides or four sides, north, south, or uh, three sides, and then the west side. And then you got downtown. I think yeah, downtown is not a side, but it, it's, it's its own little entity. But my dad had his own family on the south side of Chicago with his wife and two daughters. And, um, and so we were like the, the, the secret family that, um, with my mom and uh, myself. And so Leolin got to go spend time with her father every weekend or every other weekend. Um, where I couldn't do that, I saw my father maybe two, three times a year, and you know what as you as you talk about it, there were pangs of abandonment of like, yeah, wow, you and I didn't realize that as a kid, but just now, now as I get older and I look back, I was like, yeah, I was like wow, she gets to go hang out with papa
1: yeah, and i I think I thought about it because um so I also have a have an eleven year old son. Who um primarily lives with his dad, his stepmom, and then he has a younger sister who is five. So a little bit more distance between you and I. And um, you know, sometimes I, when he comes for you know to visit me or hang out with me, sometimes I do bring his little sister as well. And I feel like for me, that came from that experience of like, you know, being an adult looking back and how awkward that kind of seems of being, being a parent and saying, I'm just going to take one kid <laughs> with me and not take the other and not think about how that must make that other kid feel. So I think I also feel a little bit more, um, I don't know, just I felt a little bit more need to include her in, in our, you know, my relationship with Mateo. that's a little different because he lives in the home with his sister and his dad and his stepmom. but still even at six, sometimes she'll ask me like, how come how come Mateo can sleep over your house and I don't sleep over? Like she's she's asking those questions now, and it's just I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out as she as she continues to get older. I don't know.
0: Yeah, because I, that's I'm sure that's something that um, definitely didn't factor into the visitation rights, right? Like yeah, you, you could possibly foresee how she'd feel about you know Mateo coming to to be with yeah you. um and, and that's the thing with, with decisions that we make it's hard to realize the full impact of what we're gonna do and how people are gonna um interpret that. Uh it, it's just impossible. Um
1: yeah especially as parents you know if you're a good parent you're you are doing the best you can and making decisions based on where you are at that moment. But you don't know the consequences of that when the kid gets older what he or, you know, I'm thinking like, what's Mateo gonna remember? How's he gonna, cause maybe he might feel some way about having to share his time with me with his sister. Um, and that is a hard thing to deal with as a parent to think like you're making all these decisions. I don't know, like my kid thinks I know all the things. I know nothing. I'm just doing the best that I can today. Um, But it's hard knowing that what I, the decisions I make could impact him for a long time in ways that I don't even, I don't even know.
0: But you you know what? This also is evidence of the importance of checking in with each other periodically, Or, or maybe even day to day, let's be honest because back in the day and I, and I I've, I've uh, alluded to this or mentioned this in previous uh, episodes the importance of sitting down for dinner
1: mm-hmm. and
0: checking in with each other that at least that was the the image i grew up with was where the family sat down for dinner and then you went around the table and talked about your day what was going on uh, you know anything exciting anything we need to to know about and um, and, and it's equally important, especially now today with everything so fragmented, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, kids are in an iPad, their iPhones, they're taking in information we're probably completely unaware of and processing things through uh, a different lens. Do you have a, a method of checking in with Mateo? Or, I mean, he, he seems he's very precocious where he just says all the things, but even in that, there probably are some things that he's not even aware of. Like no matter how smart you are, he's still a kid.
1: Yeah. I read somewhere a while ago that one way to have a conversation, um, it's intimidating to have a conversation face-to-face with someone, even if they're close. So one way to ask your kids questions is to wait till you're in the car or um, they're doing one thing you're done where you're not like staring directly at them. <laughs> so I'm in the car with them. I'll ask them questions. Um you know, when I talk to him after school, I always ask him like, how was your day? Were you kind to others? Were others kind to you? Or were you kind to yourself? Um, Or, you know, I've even asked him before and it's, you know, another way is um, when he's going to bed and we're just like laying there reading. So we're not, we're next to other, we're not face-to-face. And I'll say like, you know, I'll ask him, how does he feel about me being his mom? Is there anything that he, you know, want me to do differently? Um, And I just try to, mirror to him that kind of thing or even talking to him. Now of course is age appropriate and he doesn't need to know all the things. But he can hear me say like, oh, I'm struggling or I'm maybe this is kind of hard or I'm nervous or Ooh, I made a mistake or I'm sorry I did that incorrectly or I'm sorry I, you know, you know, I, I'm I need a moment because I'm getting a little stressed or I just, you know, it's not about you. So mirroring to him how to speak about feelings, mirroring to him how to speak about whatever's going on. And also, you know, I, I tell them, I, I'm like, look, there's nothing that you can say to me that would ever um, that would ever make me stop loving you. You know, there may be things that you do that I might not agree with, or maybe disappointed, or I may even get upset about, right? But like, there's nothing you can say <laughs> to make me stop loving you. And also, like, I realize that there are things that you might not want to talk to me with at that moment. There may be things that you might not may not want to talk to me about at all. Maybe you feel more comfortable talking to your dad. Um, or your stepmom. But knowing that, yes, I'm here, just know that I'm here regardless about anything. Um, And and then doing that, (laughs) I think is important. Um, I feel like sometimes, I don't know. um, I feel like sometimes it might in one way be a tad easier for me because um, I don't have them all the time. So I don't have the day-to-day responsibility of doing the things we need to do as an adult and as a key person and also the day-to-day responsibility of managing his life. Um, So I feel like I'm a little, but I don't know, you know, I don't, maybe his dad's saying something totally different, but I just try to create the space for him to know that he can talk about me, talk to me about anything.
0: You know what I, I, first of all, I love the idea of creating to creating the space so that he can talk to you. Right. Mm -hmm. Because as we mentioned earlier with so many devices and and not only devices but um activities you know i know matteo's active in soccer and and there's so many kids who are like going from one activity to the next and then uh, to their homework and then to bed and no space has been created to connect to decompress to share and and this is even on an individual level. If if we live by ourselves, right? If we live alone, um, we're often uh, you know on that treadmill of going from one thing to the next, and not giving ourselves space, not creating space uh, to connect with ourselves or our purpose, or just decompress and reflect on the kind yeah. of day or why we're doing what we're doing.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that's why I know you talk about your big point of the journaling. <laughs> that's why journaling and meditation and prayer and walking. Um, that's why all of that is so important because it does give you that space. Because it's, it's hard. Like you said, he I mean, he has a phone, a computer, a switch. He has so many things, as we all do, to keep our mind occupied or distracted is a better word. Keep our mind distracted. Um And if you don't give yourself that space, you can just keep going and never process anything and never, never really think about anything because you're always being fed information. Um, Yeah, I really try to, as much as he may not like it, I really try to at least go for a walk with him, do time without technology, even have him read an actual book. I don't, you know, I don't know how much different it is, but an actual physical book instead of on a Kindle because I need him to. I want him to I think reading a book is, a, I don't know, maybe it's just i some my age, <laughs> but I'm like, there's something better to me about reading the book than reading it on that technology. Um, but yeah, just give them that space to like, think, to think and ask questions and um, even disagree. Because that's another thing, you know, growing up with our mom, is wonderful as she is, she's from a different country, different time. We weren't allowed to disagree or say like, I don't understand or I don't um, so I try to ha- I try to give Matteo that space to say, like, I don't agree or let me ask a question or what about this? Um,
0: yeah. yeah. I want to highlight something you said earlier. I want to come back to the idea of disagreeing. Mm-hmm. Um, you also mentioned that no matter what he does or says that you won't stop loving him. Mm-hmm. And I want to highlight that because I I was just talking to somebody about their parents and growing up and they said, Their mom was loving, but not affectionate. Mm. And I thought, wow, that is something I had never delineated because loving is food, water, shelter. I'll I'll always take care of you. You make sure you got clothes in your back, food on the table, um, a place for you to stay, you know, rest your head, a roof over your head. But affection is, you know, reading you a bedtime story, stroking your back listening creating space to hear what your needs what your wants what's bothering you right Mm -hmm. and so I I think that kids or people are aware of somebody being loving um, but they may not be able to put a finger on the fact that what they're missing is affection
1: Mm, yeah yeah well you know but that was real affection I sent you pictures before where he's like he wants me to be right next to him all the time. And, um, and he still for the moment lets me hold his hand. Now he's at the age where I I now ask him, because that's another thing. I ask for consent in a lot of ways that I don't think adults do with children. Like I ask if I can give him a hug. I ask if I can hold his hand or give him kisses. One, because once again, it's like modeling. I want him to know what that looks like (laughs) but if he knows that he has agency over his body from his own mom he'll hopefully he'll get that lesson about his own agency over his body and how he relates to you know people he might get into romantic contact with um but yeah I I, you know I, I I'm an affectionate person as well I hug all the people I I love being close to people Um, And I realized that, you know, he, I may only have a certain amount of time left where he wants to be that close to me, you know, 11, that's, you know, we're almost at teenage years. Um, He's a popular kid. So I'm sure he's going to be out in the world. Um, But so I'm just trying to, I'm trying to appreciate, (laughs) I'm trying to appreciate all that, all that loving that he gives. Um, And, you know, maybe that's, we talk about love languages. I don't, you know, people talk about love languages as a popular thing. And it seems like that's his, he loves the physical touch. So I just try to do that for him as much as, as much as possible.
0: Um, so with the holidays coming up and um, a lot of emotions coming up, one of the things, cause we grew up in the same household and there's, when I asked you to do this podcast, you said, wow, I've been waiting for this question forever. Because, you know, this is year three. I've had the podcast for three years. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I was like, why didn't you just ask? (laughs) Like, what was, why didn't you model that behavior? So before I get into my real question, I I want to address that question. Why didn't you just ask me? Like, we talk on the phone at least once a week.
1: Yes. Um. It, because I was like, it, you know, it's your it's your work. And I'm like, what if <laughs> I'm like, you're talking to all these cool people um, and it felt You know it's like to me it felt like asking someone who owns a business for a discount kind of thing of like oh, i don't want to do that um and also then what if you said no and i'd be heartbroken (laughs) you're like (laughs) i do not want to (laughs) speak it to you um i don't know yeah i just and it never yeah i I, I, yeah i don't know i think that was it of like it's your i've just felt like you had an idea of who you wanted to talk to and we like talking so i just felt like you would have asked um you would ask me
0: (laughs) So this is valuable uh, because we've had this discussion about mm-hmm. dating mm-hmm. and talking about, you know, getting your needs met and speaking up about what you want. And a lot of us are in relationships where we just expect the other person to know. And, yeah. and we don't share. We don't share what's going on for us. And, and this is important because especially for people who are struggling with despair or hopelessness or helplessness, you are like. The, you know the future look, feels bleak to you but have you really taken the time to ask people or share with people what you are experiencing or are you expecting them to just know because as soon as you asked I was like you know as soon as I asked you were like yeah and I was like yeah let's do this like I was super excited did that shock you that you know I asked
1: it did like that was yeah It it did um Cause you know well you know also this the way you talk you um and I think folks can tell if they listen to the podcast long enough you just get right two things you don't like so you just called me like you want to be on my podcast this week and I'm like oh. <laughs> like no like hello no how's life you're just like right <laughs> I'm like all right um you know I I think so you know I'm in a I'm in a newer relationship um and he's been married he was married before for 17 years I have been divorced for 10 so <laughs> we come into it with he's always been clear that he wants to get married again I've been on the fence um and I think saying um ask for what you need sounds like one of those things of like oh relationships the important thing in a relationship is communication like okay thank you <laughs> you know losing weight is easy just eat less calories like okay great thanks a lot for that that's hard though because I'm finding out one it's like um sometimes we don't even know what we need until we're in the situation. We're going through this thing right now, talking about like how much time to spend with each other. Um, And I think you and I are a little bit similar um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we're okay with being alone. (laughs) Sometimes he, because he's been married so long, he likes being around me a lot, which is wonderful. Um, But me gauging, well, how much, how much do I like that? Is it, uh, an hour a day I need to be myself? Is it a whole, you know, a whole afternoon? Like, I don't know because I haven't been in this situation before. So it's, hard, ho- and it, you know, you don't want to hurt people's feelings. You don't quite know how to communicate it in a way that's like actually what you feel. You know, sometimes that might change. So how do you continuously communicate? Because maybe right now it's, I need five hours a day. I don't know, just myself but maybe next week or maybe next year I'm like I want to be with you all the time. (laughs) Um so it's hard to communicate. Like I didn't I don't think it was conscious to me of like oh I'm nervous about I want to be on those podcasts but I don't want to um ask because I feel this way. I don't think that thought really came up until you just asked me like why didn't you ask? And then I'm thinking oh oh why didn't I ask? Oh I don't I don't know. Um but it's hard. It's hard to ask for what you want. Did
0: you did you think (laughs) that there was going to be was there a fear of like rejection?
1: Yeah. There's, yeah. Um, cause you, yes, cause you are very important to me, as you know, and you, <laughs> your um, opinion of me is very important. Um, and so, yeah, there, I, you, of course there's, there's definitely fear of rejection of, um, cause you're talking, this podcast is about like you're really digging deep into people's story. And it's important that your listeners are engaged in the story. So it's like, if so, if people don't listen to this or you don't think this conversation is interesting and people don't listen, that hurts your business and it hurts you, well, it may not, but in my mind, right? I'm going, I'm making it bigger. I'm catastrophizing a little bit um, <laughs> and I, I'll feel bad. Like this is important to you. So um, yeah, it's, yeah.
0: And, you know, you talked about how I have cool people on. So that denotes that, you know, there's a feeling of like you don't feel cool or like your story is not enough, right? Like what you've been through, what your experiences are and and what you've learned is not enough for the the podcast, like that feeling of like inadequacy.
1: Yeah, um, I definitely struggle with that as I imagine a lot of people do. Um, I just got off a, a meeting an hour ago with my manager and he was like, yeah, everyone here has nothing but great things to say. Everyone here loves when you come to meetings. And I'm just sitting there like, like that is odd for me to hear. Not that I think that people are <laughs> unhappy with me, <laughs> but to think that people are going around saying wonderful things about me. That's not my first... Um, I don't know, I'm always, I am always. I make a joke that like if my manager asks to talk to me, I'm always thinking that they're ready to fire me. Like I work from home and I make a joke of like, I'm gonna pack my desk up in my own home because I'm like, this is it, this is, they're gonna find me out. Um, I'm not sure where that comes from. I'm not sure if that's life, but I, oh my goodness. I, yeah, I I always, I, I always feel like I'm just gonna be found out by all the, I'm out when people are talking to me too long, maybe that's my introvert. I'm like, oh, their goodness, they're they're just waiting. I'm talking and they're just waiting for me to end this conversation. Um, Actually recently, I'll tell you something funny. I was at my friend's house for Thanksgiving. Everyone was over there and there's four of us that are really close. You know, everyone's at the house and everyone started to leave. And I, I was there since like three, it's now like 10. So the last person's leaving and it's the brother of one of our friends. And so he's leaving. Everyone else, the other three people, live in this house together. Two of them are dating, and the third one lives there. And um, so, the last her brother gets to leave, and so I start getting my stuff ready. And she's like, "Where are you going?" <laughs> I'm like, "Well, I was like, I don't, you know, you all it's late. You all may want to hang out." She's like, "We haven't seen you in forever. Put your stuff down." <laughs> I'm like, you like, you're not going anywhere. And I told him like, I always feel like I don't want to overstay my welcome. I always feel like people are like, "Oh gosh, she's here too long." So, and that's with everyone. That's not that's even with friends and family. Um, but I'm not sure quite where that came from.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it's that feeling of being a burden. I, I grew up with that. And I, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for the people who have listened to the early episodes of this podcast know that, um, you know, my story of when I was nine and, you know, I told my mom when I turned 40, I was going to end mm-hmm. my life. And at that age, I felt like a burden. and And even now being with Michelle for two years and you know a lot of people are asking us like when we're we gonna get married and i'm like my fear is becoming uh, a financial burden and and not that you know i i make i make good money like i could support myself but i don't i'm not comfortable yet enough financially to where like if something happens to me like the money i make is the money that i earn right I, i'm still showing up to make the my income versus making passive income right so my fear is that we'll get married and then i'll wake up paralyzed cuz i was paralyzed twice already and then i won't be able to make any money and then my money will dry up and then i'll be a financial burden so th- you know that that feeling is is universal and did you yeah. did you share with them how did, so how did that make you feel did you feel like you know cherished and and esteem to you know to be like, hey, put your bags down. Like we're here for you. We want to, there's yeah, there's more from you that we we want.
1: Yeah. And especially so um, I you know this. I'm from Chicago. I moved, I'm in Austin, Texas now. I moved here um three years ago. And so these friends, another layer of these friends are recent friends. These aren't childhood friends, these are friends I've made in the past, I would say like a year or two. Um and so it does feel good to know that I have a circle here that I can count on and that I enjoy spending time with and that also enjoy spending time with me. Um so it feels it feels it feels good to know that. Interestingly enough, I have that same fear about being a financial burden, but mine is for Mateo. I I even tell him now, I don't I have this conversation with him um of like, I I get that there may be a time when I'm older that I, you know, um that living with you might be a thing that needs to happen for, you know, whatever reason. Um, And I thought this more so when I was single, (laughs) but I was like, what I don't want to happen is that I am a financial burden to you. Like, it's one thing for me to need to live with you. Maybe, you know, you have me in a nice little basement apartment or something, (laughs) but I don't want you to feel like, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to, take care of you know i don't want him thinking how am i gonna take care of my own kids and my mom and himself um so i i have that same same concern same concern
0: so to to go back to a part of why i want to have you on um is that you know when the me too thing was going down
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you know so many women were sharing their stories and I, I was like, wow, I have three sisters. And I have a mom who has four sisters. And none of them have ever mentioned anything about sexual assault. And I and I'm looking at the stats, and I, I think it's like one out of every three or every four. Uh, you know, it's and so I was like, someone has had to have some type of involvement with a, a me too situation. And I remember calling and asking you Mm -hmm. and we had the conversation and can you, can you share with us uh, what you're comfortable with in terms of, you know, what the situation was and the circumstances?
1: Yeah. um, Well, it's, so the the one that we discussed was with the first person that I ever had an intimate relationship with um, in my youth. and. Um, I would just say shortly, I said no, and he did not listen to the no. How old were you? 13, 14. Um, And that was rough because, you know, I've told you, um, our mom, I had this conversation with mom recently, actually, I didn't tell, I told one person, and that was another guy that we hung out with in that circle that we had. Um, And you knew, I think I told you, you knew this guy because afterwards you had set, you must have seen him out in the world somewhere. You told me, don't mess with that guy. Um, And even at that age, I knew, I don't know where I learned it from, but I knew that the world would not be supportive of me. I knew that if I told anyone that I would get blamed for it. I don't know how I know that. I don't know if... I, I, I honestly, I, I've thought about this a lot once again, because I have a kid <laughs> in that age, um, but I knew that very early on, the world does not support women um, and girls. Um, and it's also an embarrassing thing to talk about. I guess you're a victim. Like, yes, if I get robbed, I'm not embarrassed that I get robbed. But if you get sexually insulted, like there's shame and embarrassment um, to that, especially since it was, Especially since, you know, most of that time, those kind of things happen by someone, you know, it might be, you know, I'm not sure. I I know it's traumatic anyway, but I think like robbery, it it adds another layer when it's by someone, you know, because there's a part of you that's like, you shouldn't, how did you not see this about this person? How did you, you know, not notice it or things like that? Um, Unfortunately, that's not the last time. It's nothing as traumatic. It hasn't been that traumatic since then, but I'm a woman in this world. Like I've been harassed on the street. I've been touched inappropriately. I, when I go out on dates, I send, I have a specific, I have a friend that who I share my location with on my phone all the time. But if I go out on a date, I send her all the information that I have on this person, picture, car, like all these things. Um, and I, I tell her like, hey, if you don't hear from, I'm going out on a date, we're going here. If you don't hear from me by this time, or, you know, we call each other and she lives in the, you know, she lives in a different state and she does the same thing. Um, you know, we're taught in this world as women that in different ways that we're owned by, we owned by men um, in, in various ways. And yeah, it's just, it's a real, it's a real struggle to explain that to, <laughs> to explain that to people, um, Cause even like, even recently with the Bill Cosby things going on, or, you know, Megan Thee Stallion and her dealing with domestic violence, right? Brianna and all these famous people. The story is always about like, what did she do? What is, how does she different? You know, where, you know, um, they're doing something wrong. Why does she wait so long to say anything? Um, you know, I, I always hear parents talk about, oh, I teach my daughter this, I teach my daughter you know, dress a certain way or things like that. And I never really hear parents talk about like what they teach their sons, uh, teaching their sons to keep their hands to themselves <laughs> and ask for consent. Um, so as a parent, as a mom, I really feel, I really mourn and feel sad for the 13 year old me that had to deal with that and felt like she couldn't go to anyone. Um, there's also a part of me as a mom that feels, I don't know, like looks back and sees how strong I was, although I shouldn't have had to be that strong. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's really sad to know that that's something that a lot of women, um, a lot of of women have to deal with.
0: Yeah. You know, you you mentioned something that was, I want to highlight also in that you look back at your 13 year old self and say, How could I not have seen this? Mm-hmm. How could I not have known that, you know, this he was that kind of kid or guy? Mm-hmm. Um and and I would imagine as a result, you kind of grow up now questioning your judgment about people. And just the same way with your work, right? Like maybe i'm wrong about this job maybe i'm wrong about my position maybe maybe i've misjudged you know my abilities and the i'm misreading the cues right and so uh there's a, a, a insecurity that that can come with that and um it, it it and it has to feel like at times a weight where you know inside there's another level of your speed of how fast you can go Mm -hmm. and the mourning and the sadness for that 13 year old girl um, can sometimes I would imagine um, I don't want to say hold you back but if you haven't figured out how to incorporate that or integrate that 13 year old into your present day self it could feel like a weight and a burden versus an experience that is that you then use for fuel to propel you forward or help you heal
1: yeah it's hard because you you know i don't really know you know we're a mixture of all these experiences that have happened to us and we don't really know how one thing has affected um something else like when i was younger are, and they probably still have them I think it was R.L. Stein used to write these choose your own adventure books I used to love them like you would get to a certain page and it'd be like should Susie go to the cave or should Susie you know turn back around and then you could you pick and then you read what happens and you can go back to that page and pick a different decision <laughs> so I don't know um I don't know but it's definitely yeah what you're saying about not trusting myself because you know that flows into relationships stuff as an adult of who I've trusted to date. And then can I trust myself to make a decision if I find out something I don't like about someone um, and always questioning or I mean, man, if you just think people have total, com- who have confidence in their decisions, you just that must be just like a limitless feeling. Like even if you make a wrong decision, just like, I spend so much time, I know myself, I spend so much time teeter, tottering like going back and forth and some the power sometimes is just like taking the information that you have and making a decision and then going from that decision to the next one um hmm, yeah i don't i don't i don't know
0: michelle has that michelle is utterly confident and optimistic uh, yeah and upbeat about all things she's engaged in
1: Oh man! Even so you don't that.
0: even know. I'm like, what? <laughs> She's like, no. I'm confident s- that this this prescription will work for you. I'm like, you're not a doctor. <laughs> but I'm confident. Trust me. Trust me. No, no, yes,
1: a I can tell that, from, and I can tell that from her. I am more. I what I think what interests me when people meet me or know me, and they're like, you're so positive. You're so like outgoing. You're so. in in my mind, I'm like, oh, you have no idea what's happening up in. <laughs> company here because i think how i think to myself i'm just like i feel like i'm much more pessimistic i feel like i'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop um i i um i, I yeah I, I i don't know that's i, I always find it interesting when people say that about i get that a lot and i always find that interesting actually i have a friend who has her doctorate she's a, um I don't know if she's a psychiatrist or psychologist, Makes psychologist, I don't think she can prescribe medicine, but she has her doc, doctor in psychology. And I remember she said that to me before when I was asking for feedback of how I come off to others. And she said like, I always see you smiling. I always see you're in a good mood, but I wonder if that is, I wonder if you're doing that to like hide how you really feel about things. Like as long as I'm smiling, everything is good. I was like, oh, she's dropping. I, I like to surround myself with very insightful people. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I I I don't know I I also just have really started unpacking that situation like I told you about it I feel like it's only been like a year ago um where I really like told you all the things I like I, said, I only told my mom about it I, there's still well after this podcast maybe more people know but there still haven't been that many people who know about it um so I'm still even unpacking it for myself like how that's affected me you know thirty some odd years later
0: and. You know, what is uh, fascinating to me about what you shared also is that you said because you, you weren't, you felt like you should have been able to see the the kind of character that this guy was, this kid was. It's, it's hard to be like kid guy, right? Like, because how old was he at the time? Same age. Same yeah. age. But mm-hmm. he did such a very, I, I hate to call it an adult act. It's. But, you know, this person, um, uh, because, you know, you weren't able to see and do, so now what's interesting is you want other people to be able to see you without having said anything, right? Like, you wanted me to see that you wanted to be on a podcast, right? Like, how could I not, Leo, how could you not see that I would have loved to be on a podcast? Yeah. Right? So... There's a quote that says, you know, the thing that we didn't get from our parents is the thing that we try to get from our relationships or mm. other people, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you felt like, and I'm sure you felt like this, like, mom, how could mom not see that this had taken place? Why should you have to say anything? If you love me, then you should see that something is off, right? And yeah. so that line of thinking continues on into our adulthood and into relationships. And then we make decisions based on that that um you know oftentimes sabotage what we're building.
1: Man, that is the truth. Yeah when I talked, you know, plus mom she has two kids that love telling all their business out in the world. I don't know if she feels the same way, but um uh, <laughs> when I finally talked to her and like told her like, this has been, and, you know, you've seen my mom and I grow up. And I think a lot of it also is mom and I are very similar. Um, but we've, we've gone to battle, <laughs> what I feel like, throughout my adult life. And I think a lot of times she didn't understand why. Um, and for me, that was it. Like I've, I held a lot of anger and resentment towards her because of it. Um, because she lived in the house with me, because she's a woman. Um, because um, I felt like she knew me the best out of anyone because of the time we've spent. You know, my dad was is in my life, but I didn't live with him. Um now I could say the same about him. He's a man, you know, he he can see his daughters growing and is attractive and likes boys, you know. Um, but I really it once right once ah, I just thought of this. Once again, I'm blaming the woman <laughs> and not not the male figure. I'm blaming the woman figure. Um yeah, I told her that of like, I felt like you should have, you should have known. Like, I felt like you should have been there, whether it's before to prevent or after to know, like, oh, something is going on. Because in my mind, I'm like, I'm, a thir- I'm 13. I'm not, I'm, and I'm not a good liar. <laughs> so how did you not know that there's something going on? I don't know. Um, but that's an interesting point to say, like now as I'm getting on, I'm still, I definitely do still, um. Look for acceptance and um, yeah, look for others to kind of like validate and protect um me um and I, and it's hard because like the the social media relationship advice that people get is like if someone knows you, like you shouldn't have to tell them if someone knows you they should just they should just know, um which is so. Is so dangerous so dangerous like right people date serial killers and they don't even know <laughs> like that's so dangerous to tell someone that like you should know someone just because you've been around them even if you've been around them 40 years they still have 10 plus years of experience without you in their life um shoot i've i've been with myself 41 years and i still don't know everything about me so yeah that's it. yeah um that's that's hard <laughs> yeah and you
0: mentioned you know the the emotion of anger right yeah like you you must have felt uh hurt, right yeah first because one, this was like you said, someone that you knew, mm-hmm. and then you're also hurt because now you don't feel seen by mom or your dad or even me right mm-hmm. and 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 I want to highlight that you mentioned, wow, she wasn't there. To prevent it from happening, she should have been there to prevent it, or she should have been there to punish him to to make him pay for for what he did and and so I had to leave you devastated
1: yeah um i didn't I didn't think it, it, it the after part I haven't really thought about um yeah, and then it's you know it it gets layered because. Like I said, even at 13, I knew that that I knew that the world wouldn't be supportive. And I, even as I get older, talking about it now, um, um, I mean, so and, um, I won't say her name because I just got off the phone with her. But one of my friends we were talking about, you know, she's out dating and things like that. And she was saying, you know, um, her and the guy did some stuff that left bruises, but in a, in a consensual way um but she made a comment like oh yeah it was totally consensual it's not like i'm gonna come back 20 years later saying oh he did something to me and i like listen to him I'm like this is the message this is what we do to women and girls even in 2021 even though we are so intelligent we've progressed and done all you know we have a woman vice president and all that wonderful stuff you know i'm in texas so you know we got road versus Wade. that i don't know what's going on with that." Um, We don't, yeah, we don't protect, we don't protect our women and girls. Um, We have a weird relationship with sex (laughs) in a lot of countries, but in the US, um, we're not honest about a lot of things, which causes a lot of problems. Um, But I think, so to me, like as a parent now, that I'm so fierce about teaching Mateo about consent and asking And um, uh, um, knowing that he's okay to to people should ask him, people shouldn't just touch him or do whatever without asking, but he also shouldn't do that to others. I'm so like, um, so like on top of it, because I was like, I just can't, I just do not wanna raise, I always say this, you know. I don't wanna raise a son who's just like out there being reckless with his life and with other people's lives. yeah, <laughs> I just it's just that that is a that is a major thought and concern about mine is just and there's nothing about him that makes me, you know, he's a caring, empathetic kid. But um, oh, I just I just do not want to raise a son that's just like irresponsible and, and reckless with people.
0: Right. I mean, it's so important to ingrain certain characteristics and values yeah. in our kids. And uh, we definitely all want to raise very loving caring, and, and considerate uh, children who, you know, you're thinking about your needs, but also the needs and wants of other people and, and taking that into consideration and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and feeling empowered to share, to talk to yeah. ask questions. So that's beautiful that, you know, going back to what you were saying earlier, of like, I, you're inviting him to disagree with you, right? You're inviting him to be, contentious that might be a wrong word but to not be afraid of sharing his thoughts if they even if they're contrarian uh yeah
1: and it's not always easy i get it parents like sometimes you're just like can you just do what i'm asking you to do i don't need a discussion (laughs) about why you cannot stay up to four o'clock every single night just go to sleep (laughs) but like you know, I as you can tell from talking to him or seeing things I post on social media about the stuff that he says and the conversations he has the other day, he he's talking. He loves Tesla and um, he's been really um, what's it called? Um, mar- uh, marching is not the word I'm looking for, but like really trying to get me to get one. And like, <laughs> um, he goes to me. Well, you know, they're offering a tax break next year, so it should help you to be able to afford to get one. And I'm just like, what are you, do- <laughs> what are you talking about right now to me? <laughs> or I was like, well, how much? I mean, how much do you make? I'm like, I couldn't. I don't ever remember asking or feeling like I was comfortable enough to talk about money with my parents. <laughs> and i'll tell him like you know you can ask and i also say like you can ask me anything i may not tell you what you want to know i'm not that's not that i may not be comfortable in that moment to tell you right cuz you're asking me a question about sex or money or in the grocery store maybe that's not the time to have this conversation or there may be some things that i might not tell you everything like he's been asking about more details, specific like why did you end Dad a divorce how did you plan this there's some stuff that i'm uncomfortable talking to him with at this moment so he knows that as well like you can ask whatever you may not you know, some things are not for conversation right now, but I just, when he says stuff to me like that or ask questions or, you know, he's asked me questions about God before, like, is God real? Like, how does if that's so, how does that work with like, what he's learning in school about science and how the world was formed and like asking about death and things like that. So I, I feel good that he is able, like, feels like he can talk to me about, um, about those kind of things.
0: What were some of the things that gave you strength and hope to keep going because you know what that experience at 13 years old and like you said you only shared that with one other person uh and then with me very recently um what what gave you the strength in between all that what 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 was moving you forward
1: Mm, that's a good question um you know in therapy if you are dealing with things like drugs and alcohol, in another life you'd be a drug and alcohol counselor. And the hardest part about getting off of drugs is the fact that you're still in the same environment, um, the same environment, and not everyone can get up and move. But, so that, when that happened, um, that was like right when I was going into high school. And so I went to high school, uh, I went to grade school in Chicago, high school in Evanston, it's a suburb of Chicago. And so like, I still lived with mom in Chicago, but my environment in terms of like who I was hanging around with, and where I was going, where I was spending time changed. Um, I went from this person, and I went to martial arts class together. And um, a little bit after that happened, I stopped going to martial arts class, and I joined, you know, after school activities. So I don't think that was intentional. I think. Maybe it was. I don't know. There definitely was a decision to I need to not be around that group of folks that he hung around with. Um, I think because I had a lot of friends, because I was social, I would, you know I was on the dance team, I was on cheerleading. I had the, my core group of girls who I didn't talk to them about it, but we spent a lot of time together. I, so even so I would say like a support system, even if it wasn't like a intentional direct, support about that experience. I did have a lot of friends. I wasn't living alone. I think that's, I wasn't alone in the world. Um, And then, you know, mom and all her wonderfulness, she's a strong woman. She's, you know, I think there's, a like I said, we probably had a lot of our (laughs) contention because we're so similar. So I think there's a lot of me in terms of like, a, a lot of my mom in me in terms of like independence, in terms of like, Look, life goes on. You got to get stuff done. You got to, there's so many wonderful things in the world to enjoy. Um, and so I think that, yeah, that a lot of that kept me going. It's just like my friends, my activities, being able to change environments in a certain way. Um, so, and sometimes all you can do is just keep moving. <laughs> and, you know, there's times to look back, but sometimes it's all you can do. And that, that next moment is just like, I'm just going to keep, keep moving forward.
0: To highlight how strong mom is, and, and <laughs> it, it, there's so many words to describe mom. Mm-hmm. But when I called and asked mom about if there was any Me Too situations in her life, she was like, Yeah, probably. When oh, I was goodness. five, she was like, I mm-hmm. think she's like, Uh, I think me and all my sisters have been touched by the swim coach. When we were oh kids. my gosh, mm-hmm. she said, The she said, her older. The, the oldest sister told her that, you know, s- some things have happened. Mom wasn't specific, but mom also seemed very indifferent because uh, when I talked to her, she was at a restaurant with you. I remember. I think her client. And so she was like, yeah, I probably got touched. My oldest sister said, you know, we were all touched, uh, but I'm about to get some tacos. So, uh, you know, like whatever. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness. That is, and I don't want to say, see, I don't want to use the word strong, right? Like, is it strong if you're surviving? Like, are you strong because you're like, you're doing what you need to do to survive? Um, I don't, I don't, I, I, yeah, I, I really struggle with that. I, I find it. That's definitely mom. <laughs> oh goodness. Mom, my mom. That's definitely her. Um. And now as an adult, did I learn more about her? I'm like, okay, I I understand why she did certain things the way that she did. And the adults in me um, understands more of the adult in her. Whereas I think before I was working from the child in me to the adult in her, (laughs) which it caused a lot of frustration. But now the, the adult in me, the woman in me, the parent in me, Looking at her in that way, it's like, oh, okay. I, I, I get it. It's hard to make better decisions. It's hard to make different decisions with your kids when you are still, when you haven't even one acknowledged that you went through some hot mess, and two, you haven't dealt with it, um, or you're living in a culture where like that's acceptable. Um, it's hard to then, you know, because now you're not even looking for it. If you think that, if you think that that is okay, you think that's acceptable, you're not even looking for it. In your children, because you're thinking, you know, maybe subconsciously you're thinking like that's just gonna happen. Whereas me, I'm like, I take it another way of like that happened to me. Now I'm like looking at everybody. I'm like, <laughs> I'm looking at coaches. I'm looking at pastors. I'm sorry if I'm really loud in your ear. I'm looking at um, teachers. I'm telling Matteo like, look, <laughs> people may tell you, don't tell your parents. They might hurt you or hurt your parents. Don't believe them. You tell us anything, anything. I don't care who it is. Your doctor. I don't care who it is. If you feel uncomfortable. No. If you say yes, yesterday, and you want to say no today. No, <laughs> no one. Um, and so I think that, yeah, that's one of the ways that we ex- may have experienced some things, but are definitely going about it in a different way.
0: So strong may, may not be the word because that can mean so many different things. And it sounds to me like mom has accepted mm. that that's the how life is, that's what happened. Yeah. And and it's allowed her because anybody who's met my mom, she comes off as very loving, hopeful, happy. She finds joy in the smallest things. She finds mm-hmm. the extraordinary in the ordinary. Yeah. And I think that she just has a robust anti-fragile on some level mentality yeah um and not to say that things don't affect mom because she definitely cries and she feels things and uh she's very empathetic um you know when she sees um uh, social ills Mm -hmm. um, and and, you know she could you could just tell in her face she's like how how could you know uh Mm -hmm. So there is a a very uh, emotional side to mom, but she has a way of literally dusting things off her shoulder and moving forward. But she did what she talked about, which is, you know, and she practices this all the time where she is always on the go. One, Mm -hmm. she's very active. Mm -hmm. Um, She surrounds herself with people. And what's interesting is I, you, you talked about surrounding yourself and, I think a lot of us are surrounded by people, but not supported by the people, right? Yeah. And they can't support us if we're not sharing what's going on for us.
1: <laughs> so true. So true. I think after my, I think I was like that for a while after I got divorced, um, my friends, I don't want to say stepped up as though they didn't step up before. I think I, I allowed myself to lean on them more than I ever have before. Um, and because of that and ask for help, like I had a friend one time that she was really good at asking people for help. Like I'm moving, I'm like, whatever she would do, she would ask. And she's like, yeah, just ask people. They may say no or whatever. And just ask. I was like, oh. And so since then I have done things like, you know, if I'm looking for new work, I'll send, I'll let my friends know, um, Hey, this is what's going on. This is what I'm looking for. Because people, like you said, people don't know if they, people don't know to help. People want to help. We all want to help. Um, we all want to help those that we love. We, no, no one wants someone that care about to be hurting. Um, but you have to ask. Oh, I have a good example. So I'm in this thing called the Buy Nothing Group. I don't know if you've heard of them. <laughs> but there are these, it's, uh, it's, it's, I don't even know how it's organized, but they're all over the world and um i was in one in chicago so i moved here to um austin i joined my local one and they're set up so that everyone in this group and they're hosted through like facebook groups everyone in your group lives basically like within a 10 minute span of your house and it's by nothing it Is you can go in there and ask for whatever or go in there and give whatever so i mean people are and it's all no money exchanged so people in there are asking for um I'm in the hospital. Can someone water my plants? I, I've asked people to take care of my guinea pigs and I'm traveling. I've asked for clothes. Like a lot of the stuff in my home, I'm trying to see if I can see anything in arm's distance. A lot of the stuff in my home I've got from this group. And the same thing of like, I've given tons of stuff away. People are so willing to help each other. I mean, people have been like, oh, I need to get a TV from the store, but I don't have a truck. Can someone help me? And these are neighbors, these are strangers. A lot of these people I've never even seen because they'll leave if it's an item, they'll leave it on their porch, um, especially during, I think it's always milling like, away, but especially during COVID. And people are just so willing to help. It is wild. <laughs> like it's wild the stuff that I've or given to this group but you have to ask. They're not going to know by just you thinking that you have to put in there (laughs) what you're looking for. I mean, you may not get it right because a lot of people may want it. You may get, in essence, rejected, but people are so willing to help, but it is is hard to ask. So I always tell people like, or I think to myself, start small, right? Like it may be uncomfortable to go to your boss and be like, can I have a $10,000 raise for this and this and this? But it might be easier to, you know, um, send something back at Starbucks if they messed it up or ask, can I, you know, can I get a discount on, you know, th- this shirt that I found on the rack has a hole in it? Can I get a discount or something like that? Like ask for, um, can we watch a movie together? Like ask for smaller things. It, it makes it easier than to ask for those, um, get in that habit of asking and then ask for those bigger things. That might be a little bit harder to ask for.
0: What are you looking forward to? <laughs>
1: Ooh, what am I looking forward to? Um, well, immediately, this is my favorite time of the year. Um, I love this time. My birthday, Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's Eve. <laughs> I love this time of the year. Um, so I'm looking for I have, uh, I have my son for Christmas this year. Um, so I look forward to seeing him open gifts and seeing him get excited about the lights and the decorations and getting presents, of course. Um. This is my first time in a while where I've had holidays with a partner. So I'm looking forward to what that, that experience is like and creating new experiences. Um, I don't know. I'm just looking forward to getting to know my friends and family more. I'm looking forward to having new experiences and and learning more things. Um, I'm looking forward to dancing more. I love dance. I'm looking forward to just dancing more. I've been in Texas three years. Texas is huge. I, but I, Barely scraped the surface, so I'm looking forward to just getting out there in the world and and seeing what's out there for me. Seeing what's out there for me.
0: And I you, I know that you like to read as much as I do. We're, we're both voracious readers. Yes. Is what's a fiction book that you that really resonated with you or that you would share that you're like oh I want to reread that.
1: Oh, that is. That is interesting. um, Man, I I feel like I might go dark because, you know, I'm slightly creepy in terms of like the stuff I like to read and watch. Um, <laughs> I have always loved like Stephen King books. I don't have a particular one, but I just, I love the creepiness. I love like, his books are always about, I don't know, there's always like some lesson learned. There's always some, thought process of like, oh, how would I react in that situation? Um, I, I rem- I'm thinking specifically like his book, Needful Things, that was popular when I was yo- uh, younger about like, I remember it was like a store you go into and they had everything you wanted. But of course, of course, there's always some like sinister thing of like getting exactly what you want in this thought of like, you know, what happens if you get what you want? Is that actually what you want? Is it is it actually good for you? I don't know if so I love I love um, I love creepy books like that, that. Have humanizing characters, you're kind of like, Oh, I can see how that situation could happen. I can see how that I can be in that and make that similar situation. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that is a double-edged sword of yeah. uh, getting what you want. And 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 if we stay in that space too long, um, it, it starts to fold back on itself. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with going after what you want, but you also have to cultivate. The gratitude for making the best of what you have. Yeah. Right. And so that you don't lose what you have in pursuit of what you want. And then uh Anna Karenina, that that's exactly what that book is about. Oh, yeah. Where she's married and then she meets another guy, and all of a sudden there's this passion between them. And uh, and so she leaves her husband and kid for this other guy. <gasps> and then yeah. they get together, that passion fizzles. And now she's looking at a third guy, you know, and then ultimately <laughs> and a spoiler right here. So you might want to cut the episode off now, but uh, she then she ultimately ends her life because she's wow. trapped in, um, you know, can't get a divorce and a woman's worth at this time. This was like late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they can't just get a job. Right. They, they
1: can't just yeah. you know, submit
0: resumes and, and beat the. So she was trapped. She was trapped in a loveless uh everything. Um
1: so definitely a balance between going after what you want or what you think you want, right? Because a lot of times we don't know what we want. We think we know we we think we know what we want, and then we get it and we're like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> that wasn't it. So oh, that's good. I'm gonna put that on my list.
0: Yeah, yeah. So pa- passion is uh, you know, not enough, is what I'm finding. And now uh Michelle and I are watching Indian matchmaking.
1: Oh, yeah on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's
0: cool to see you know, how one passion really isn't enough uh, to the research shows. It's more about the character. Are they emotionally generous mm-hmm. and are, can they be flexible? And, and here's a, a word that uh, has come up because Michelle is taking some, um, uh, she's taking a couples course uh-huh. from uh, Julian Allen, Julian Allen. So she wrote this book, getting to, I do anyway. And here's a word that I've never Heard or used before acquiesce interesting so here's a power of acquiesce a lot of times because my listeners know i I do stand up and when i'm on stage and sometimes i'll ask a couple how long they've been married and they'll say 30 years or 50 years and i'll say what's the secret and the guy will be like just say yes no um and exactly see how your body language (laughs) is just like collapsed on itself and uh I can't tell you the number of guys who say that who've been married 20, 30, 40 years. The problem with just saying yes is then you lose yourself in the relationship and you build resentment. Mm-hmm. And then you end up becoming angrier, or, or um, acting out or divorcing yeah. because you've just been saying yes and feel like you don't have a voice. So acquiescing mm-hmm. is... Um, not meeting the person halfway, but um accepting the terms in a way that's different for both of you so interesting so being obsequious is just giving yourself over and, and surrendering and saying mm-hmm. being a doormat, which is what most people are fearful of yeah yesing so here's an example Michelle wants to come on cruise ships with me when I perform mm-hmm. uh-huh. and I've had a hard no on that forever, right? Because Uh the room that I get is small and my sleep schedule is way off. So if I'm up and she's trying to sleep, that's going to be awkward for me. It's not like I have three or four rooms to go into. And so I had to stop and think about why am I saying no? Like what's at the root of it? And it was that, that fear of not having the space to create or to be flexible and move about. As I as I need to, right? Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, I'll acquiesce. You can come, but you'll have to get a room. Okay. And you'll have to, and if you want me to sleep in that room, you'll have to get the room with the balcony. Yeah. Because then we're gonna definitely need space. And she was like, cool, done. And so boom, there it is. So when you get to what is your fear or what's driving the no, uh-huh. and then you could you feel safe enough to share that. And then hopefully you have the ability to uh, create that, the structure to make it happen. Like if she didn't have the money to get another room, then, she, you know, now she's at home, but yeah. you know, because we're in a place where she can get the other room,
1: she's going to yeah. do that. Right. Of that. That's so, and folks who are listening, this is how Leo and I talk all the time. I like, <laughs> this is, this is literally how our conversations go on that. I love that. And I, I, and I love that, um, like finding the why, like why, what is it about your request? Like what is the important part of what you're asking and being okay with the fact that what you all's relationship or situation may be different than every, you know, other people. Cause that's the other side of like social media therapy and means is that we have this idea of like, this is how this relationship and that can be any sort of relationship, friendship, parents, whatever. Job. This is how a relationship should be. If you're with someone, you should be with them all the time, and this, this, and this. It's like, no, you need to find out what works for both of you all. Find out what really is important. Have those conversations and come with a solution. I love that. So I love that
0: first part. And the most here's the most important part of that that step is figuring out what emotion is driving. Mm. Because when somebody brings something up, right? Hey, you want to go do this? You you want to go see that? Do you want to get married? There's an emotion that it conjure up conjures up a feeling, and so I always have like right now, as I'm talking to you, I have the emotion wheels up. I'm always yeah. scanning my emotions, and so I said, "What emotion comes up for me when she says, "Um I want to go with you?" I was like, well it, it doesn't anger me, I'm not disgusted, I'm not sad, i'm not I'm not also not excited i'm oh, I'm fearful. what am I mm-hmm. fearful of of like not you know?" having the space to operate in uh, our sleep cycles and because I know like she does a lot of work from her laptop and so yeah um you know I don't want us to be on top of each other so getting to the emotion and then creating the terms from that emotion cuz now I can communicate with her look here's what I'm scared of now I'm leading with emotion right yeah and, and then because what you realize is you're not saying no to the person. That that's why most arguments generate because when people hear no, they take it as I'm rejecting you. No, I'm rejecting the terms. Yeah. The terms don't make sense for me and um and I'm I'm rejecting the terms and I'm protecting my emotions. Yeah. Right? So there's I'm um, I'm rejecting the terms, protecting my emotions. And so when you can get to the emotions and this is all stuff I'm just thinking of as I'm saying it right now. Ladies mm-hmm. and gents. So this is brilliant. I hope you, everybody's writing this down.
1: I know um, I am. So yeah.
0: <laughs> and, uh, and then you can, you can have a fuller, richer, deeper conversation from there.
1: Yeah, that, yes. Okay. You give me some stuff. Cause at the top of this conversation, I, I mentioned about, uh, figuring out how much time, like this whole idea of like, um, Spending time together, and there is a part of me because in uh, my previous marriage, feeling like I did some of that, like gave up so much, became enmeshed in their life, and like kind of let go of mine. And because I've been single for so long, there is this fierce, like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> like back up, back up. Let me. This is my box. Like, don't come in. I need to. I need to keep these walls up. Um, but that is not going to lead me to the type of relationship that I want. Um, want with someone's so I definitely need to spend some time exploring that yeah yeah
0: because you can only back up so far until your back hits a wall and then you're, you're forced to face yeah whatever it is you've been backing up from right at some point yeah. you got to come out the corner
1: exactly or and if you don't like even if that be back up and that person leaves the next relationship <laughs> the next friendship the next job um the next kid it's still gonna pop up pop up for you there. So yeah, it's, it's hard to address those emotions. Cause once again, we don't like support emotions that much in this world. Um, But yeah, it's, it's so important because it drives everything, It drives everything that we do.
0: I love it. Leolin, we could talk forever.
1: We can, uh,
0: but uh, <laughs> I, I, I got to eat lunch and, um, and I, I definitely want this to be a part two, because there's so many aspects of our relationship and your life. Yeah, that's uh, interesting and beautiful and uh, that I admire. So and I want the listeners to get get you in doses. You can't have all my sister at once.
1: (laughs) Yeah, You put in time for this. Tolerate
0: it. I'm not going to tolerate it. It's unacceptable.
1: (laughs) I love you so much. Thanks for asking. I, I'm so proud of you. Listen, every all my friends know about your podcast and your work. If someone talks to me more than two minutes before you kill yourself is coming out of my mouth. <laughs> or, your, or your comedy is coming out of my mouth to them. So I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud that Mateo has you to look up to. He talks about you so much. He says he gets his humor from you. So, <laughs> um, yeah, thank you for asking. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I I'm look forward to chatting again. All
0: right. Don't make me cry. Uh, <laughs> and so, last question, because yes. you, you know, because you listen to this, um, yes, I ask this of everyone who's on the on the podcast. Because always imagine there's one person who may be listening in on the precipice of wanting to end their life. Before you kill yourself, what would you say to them, Leoland Bowen?
1: I listened to your podcast. And I still wasn't prepared. Um, I would say, you know, you are surrounded by people who care about you and who want the best for you. And all you have to do is reach out and, and ask and, and let them know what you're going through. And if you don't have, and if you feel like you don't have anyone in your life, do be that person for someone else because helping others is also um, a wonderful blessing that you can give others, but also yourself. So stay connected, <laughs> reach out and ask, ask what you need from your, from your circle.
0: Uh, and then promote all your things. Even promote Mateo's, uh, you know, because I, I get the links every day. He's creating something all the time, so promote all that stuff.
1: Yes. So, oh my gosh, I would. Uh, I should have had it up pretty. So, my kiddo has a um, a business called Endless Making on um, Endless Making on Redbubble. So, if you go to Redbubble.com and just search Endless Making, he designs all sorts of cool logos. Um, and I am, I'm not that much on social media anymore, but I freelance right once in a while for com And, um, that's the major one. So yeah, just, I have a unique name. So pretty sure you can Google me and find me.
0: I love it. I love it. Thank you. Leolin. Thank you listeners for tuning in. Remember this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help for you calling a 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-273-TALKS or the other international phone numbers that are listed, if you're in Budapest or Bali or Canada, Toronto, Taiwan, Beijing, wherever you are in the world, Detroit, uh, thank you for tuning in. And you can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, sis.
1: Thank you. Love you.